Welcome to RC Heli Nation version 2.0. I am Nick. This is episode number 180. With me tonight, I have Jesse and Justin. I do believe. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Positive affirmation. <laughs> I love it. Just try, I'm <laughs> trying to sure. just be straight to the point. Like that yep. way you know you're right right away. No beating Not, around the bush. Let's no. just get it out of the way. This is Justin. That was Jesse. Well, I figured, you know, we got to be straight to the point with your very formal. You like that? that I don't. Intro. I, uh, hold on a second. Yeah, I, I, I don't oh, like great. it. I don't like it. Yeah. It's like it feels now like we brought one it of up. those classical music radio shows, you know, where they're like, and tonight we're going to listen to Bach's 13th <laughs> Symphony of Ass. <laughs> wow. So anyway, okay. I I just need to think, get that off my chest. I don't think it was chest, quite that bad, Nick. It's, that it's was... nothing personal, quite <laughs> frankly. I just someone was obviously forced to uh, stare into the corner while listening to Bach as a child. Whenever he got <laughs> <Yeah. into trouble. laughs> All right. So what have you clowns been doing this week? You know what? Screw I was you gonna guys. Say us. What have I'm you gonna been go doing? First. I'm gonna go first. How about that? Do it. Do it. I've been having a blast, like always. I know, I come on here every week and I say <laughs> I'm having so much fun. But you know what? I don't even care because I am loving this hobby and just living it to the max. Um, Let's see. So I need to first off say thank you to Antonios uh, for the tablet. He got me all squared away on a, ah. a, a HP Stream 8, which is a full uh, full Windows tablet. So, like, if I was going to use this thing on a daily basis, that would be a no-go. Like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) But it runs every single program for Flybarless. I mean, well, every program that I need for helis. So I got my FMA software on there. I got V-Bar on there. We got Icon on there. I got the Scorpion. Yeah, all of it. It's so jealous. And it's just in this little eight-inch deal. You know, it's it's a little small. I got a, a stylus for it, and that helps. But to be able to throw that, you know, it actually fits perfectly in my SAB transmitter case. Like, slides in the little slot in the back. So now I can tweak and tune anything that I have with me. I love it. Absolutely love yeah, it. You know what I love the most about that is... Okay, so for me, and I, you know, this is what you're doing too, bringing your laptop out to the field every single time, it just gets it gets friggin' old. And the other thing is, I'm always worried about dropping my laptop, hitting like the carbon fiber tail fin across the screen, or just doing something absolutely stupid, damaging my laptop. Where you get something like that. Now, granted, they aren't 
dirt cheap, but it's not a whole lot of money to get yourself a Windows tablet like that. They've dropped in price quite considerably. So to have something that you can just, like you said, slip in your transmitter bag or just throw, you know, throw in when you head to the field and then have all those capabilities of programming in something that small is just it's awesome. Yeah, for I would say that it's probably the best. Um, you can go pick them up on Amazon right now for like a buck fifty. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just it's insane. That's I mean, and that's, the eight inch screen is good enough. Oh yeah, yeah. I would love it to. I would prefer it to be a ten inch. A ten. I mean, yeah. I really would. But the flip side to that, again, now that portability kind of starts to go away. Whereas now yeah. this fits in my transmitter case, so I really always have it with me. You know, see, I just went from a ten-inch netbook to a fourteen-inch laptop, and I'm loving life. So oh. I don't know if I could go back to something even smaller. It's there's no question that I, I I would rather have something bigger. But you know, when you think about like uh, just a field programmer, mm-hmm. this is like my ultimate field programmer I'm, if i go out to the field if i go out to fly at lunch or something i go oh dude totally forgot to change this or that no matter what it is on the heli i'm not going to be hosed yeah if i need to read a castle log or or i screwed up you know setting up something in the scorpion on a maiden or whatever uh i'm covered so i really enjoy i am really enjoying it i think it's the way to go uh, on the 570, I got the speed-up pulley. I dropped one tooth on the rear, and that's exactly what I needed. For 2350 it is the ticket. Tail-tuned great. Yeah, no complaints with that. Man, it's fast. That thing is just, <laughs> I don't know what's up with the flipping roll rate on it, but it, I am so much lower than I expected. I'm really digging it. That There's no, I got to actually, oh, man, three or four emails today about 570 or 700 and what do you think and that's just turning into my workhorse that is no question the heli to drag around with me throw in the car uh keep in the car forever uh it's it's just it's gonna be that one uh let's see justin i owe you a big thank you oh yeah i do your little whiteboard idea Uh uh-huh has completely transformed my everything when it comes to working out there yep i have a full list going you know because i've been doing a lot with new helis and setups and all this so i mean the notes are just were they were all over the place and then i was forgetting stuff so i've got everything on the whiteboard itemized by which helicopter all underneath it what needs to be done the order in which i want to go through and tune and things i want to try and Wow. How big of a whiteboard is this? No, it's it's just a I don't know. I mean, you know, they're like 13 I don't inch, know, I think. Two, okay. One by two or something is like what mine gotcha. is. Oh, no, mine's even small. I would say mine's, I don't know, probably about like your 15 inch laptop screen, Jesse, somewhere okay, around in there. There you go. Yeah. Turn yeah. straight up. Yeah, it's perfect. Nice. I mean, absolutely perfect. Got a little spot over in the corner for like, you know, parts to order on the next order. That sort of a thing. And you should have yeah, like, you know, you know what I can see is just instead of putting the walls in your heli trailer, just put a whiteboard everywhere. Yeah. Just start writing on the wall. You got like people would think I was pointing to helis. To- <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen those movies though, where like that where they walk in 
to like the guy's padded cell or whatever. Oh, yeah. and, and there's <laughs> there's writings all up over the ceiling yeah. and down the walls. Yeah, that like, would be me. Okay, I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then of course, uh, the mighty Trioblin. Holy smokes! It is maiden. Thank you, Kyle, for giving me some ballparks on the settings. It just made for a a very easy, very easy maiden. It I've still got some tuning to go, but let's see. So many people, you know. Okay, is it worth it? What's the difference? I'm here's how I'm going to explain it. Collective, it is actually a tad softer. I'm going to say it's got a little bit of softness to it right around center, which I like. I'm not sure if that's the SAB blades or just the setup in general, but it works out great for me. Cyclic. It is very simish. That's the that's the best way to describe it. It's just got that extremely locked in. You know how like in the... In the simulator, when you go up and you do TikToks, you can just push forward and backward elevator and collective. With and no they, corrections. With no corrections, and they stay in one spot. Yep. And then you try them in real, real life, and you're like, oh, my God, I can't. My helicopter's go. all over the place. <laughs> yes. It is. It's not 100% sim, but it's like halfway in between there. Bridging the gap. Dude, it is. it's all about the rotor head inertia. That's right. We got a lot more weight. Or, well, not necessarily weight, because I think they go lighter with the blades. But it's it's just this stability to it that is creepy. I mean, it really is creepy. I am all the way down for those who fly V-Bar. I have my head gain at the moment, and I've only got two flights in on it, all the way lower to 40. That's as low as it goes. <laughs> yeah. Which nice. would which would be unflyable on anything yeah. but maybe a 250. You're like, okay, let's put the head gain at 40, and then you say TikTok, and you're just going to laugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's all the way down at 40. Uh, and then my, let's see, I'm actually, I dropped my slider back down to where I normally would for the agility. So I'm sitting at right about 50 because it was quite... It was like very rigid by nature. I mean, super rigid by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- and so now I've got some flow back, and yeah, it's just man, it, it's creepy how stable it is. I'm gonna mess around with pitch, and uh, I've actually had a couple people tell me try pitch pump on this to like just crispen it right off the of center a little bit. But I'm going to be messing around with that because I was flying it like it was so much fun. I was really hammering on it. And at 1850 and 14 degrees of pitch, I got like four minutes worth of flight time. (laughs) 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 But let me tell you, that was an awesome four minutes. (laughs) Well, you kind of have to do that when you get a new heli, right? It's like, I need to fly it a little bit faster and harder than I'm normally ever going to. You got to feel cool. You got to be like, I got a new heli. Yeah. It's awesome. You get kind of dumb with the sticks and it's like, ooh, that's up a little high. Oh, well, I'll leave it there because we'll just have some fun with it. So I am having fun and it was fun because it's it's fast and it just, oh, it's got that responsiveness on the cyclic of like a, you know, like a 500. 
It's just super quick, but very stable at the same time. So, you know, do I think, is it a must-have? Uh, no, I don't think it's a must-have. Uh, but if you're, if you are looking, you know, I think for the, for the guys flying 3D, if you're looking for that next step, I would highly recommend trying it. Uh, because I do believe that that's there. It's, it's, you know, when it comes to, and Justin, I think we might, act, let's save that till a little bit later. Well, after the reviews, I want you and I to bank some ideas back and forth. Sure. But I'm digging it. Tail, I just got it to a tailgate to where I could fly it at because I was so mesmerized by the cyclic. So the three-bladed tail, uh, I really haven't messed around with enough. It just held. So I was like, okay, I'm good for now. Is the but sound I, there, though? Oh, yeah, it's there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's there. It sounds so weird because the tail sounds so fast. Sounds but, angry. But the cyclic is so quiet. But it's got this, man, I, I can't wait for you guys to hear the sound of this heli, even at 1850, like in a hurricane, is just insane. It's it's crazy the sound. It's such a clean and uh, it's hard to explain. But I'm digging it. I, I think I'm, it's cool. I mean, again, it's I think it's one of those steps in technology where people can sit there and say it's going to be good or say it's going to be bad. You know, the lovers and the haters. And at the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. So and that's it. You have to put the thing on there and try it. Yep, you can't. There's you no can, speculation is of no value in this situation. No, you can do math math on like efficiency and stuff like that, but when it comes down to feel, you you can't explain that. And you really just, I mean, you just gotta try it. I'm super looking forward to uh, the three bladed head for the five seventy. I think that's going to be the one that is going to draw a lot of people into trying it. Because let's be honest. I mean, the three-blade head for the 700 is not cheap. And then by the time you're buying blades, it's like, oh, man. But, you know. I'm with, looking forward to SAB waking up and making a three-blade head for the 380. Because that's even cheaper. Well, and I, you know, that's the approach like we talked about that Blade's doing with the 360. Saying, hey, we're, we're going to go after it. And I think a lot of people are going to try it there, get a feel for it. But I think that the 570 is going to be the big one where a ton of people are going to take that plunge. And it, it really could. It just kind of reminds me of that point where we were all flying fly bars going, dude, this is great. Why would I need to do this? I don't need to do that. And you're right. It does fly great because you don't know what better feels like. Yep. That's, that's kind of how I feel. Fair enough. Yeah. So let's see. No Simmon this week. Ouch. Yeah. Buying was the tablet. Flying. I've been flying a couple days during the week during lunch. Um. What else? That's it. Selling. No, nah, I don't have anything left to sell. Uh I mean, I'm, <laughs> I really, I'm already living in my trailer. <laughs> yeah, I'm living yeah. in the trailer. Yeah. I'm, I'm tapped. <laughs> I'm trying to stock up on parts. That's been my big thing. Is you know, like yeah. I've got to get the rest of the stuff. I ordered everything 
for the 500 to get it back together and then forgot to buy blades. That was genius move. They well, are the, kind of uh, the parts one. The parts thing is big. Cause do you realize there's a fun fly coming up? I mean, we are not that far out. I know. And so that is getting why those, the parts stock kind of built back up. I've been thinking the same thing. I'm going with the rule of three now, actually. My rule of one <laughs> has changed to three because I need to be a little more aggressive. So what is every, the rule of three? So my rule of one was that every time I placed an order, I ordered one extra spare part. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going with three. Every order, no matter where it's to, if I can find something that I would need in case of a crash, I'm now ordering three things. You know what my analogous rule is? What? It's called the rule of 100. Really? And that means that no matter what I buy, I will always spend at least $100 so I can get free shipping. And as a result, <laughs> I get a bunch of extra crap that I don't you need know, right now. That's, <laughs> it's need. funny how our standards change, because if you would have told me that three or four years ago, it would have been like, $100 every time I order, I'm out of here. Dude, yeah. it's just like going to Costco. <laughs> that's going to be a hundred you know? Yeah, well, that's gonna I'll, be more than I'll walk bucks. out with a you know a fifty count box of paper plates, and it's still gonna cost me a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's all I've been up to this week. Having fun. With all the time and money you put into your hobby, the last thing you want to do is throw away your flight experience on bad blades. From the feel of the heli in the air to its appearance on the ground, which blades you choose to bolt on is one of the most important decisions you have to make. That's why you need to put those old and busted blades to the side and make the switch to some new hotness. Brought to you by Burt Kammerer of BK Designs, switch rotor blades are sure to put the finishing touches on your heli. Whether you're into sport flying, hard 3D, or F3C, Switch rotor blades will get the job done on everything from a 250 to an 800 class heli. And we're not just talking about main blades here. Switch has tail blades and night blades too. So stop wasting your time not flying the last brand of blades you'll ever need and make the switch today. www.switchrotorblades.com So who would like to go next? I would like to go next. Nick? Why don't you do that? All right, here we go. You ready? I am ready. I was born ready. Here's the deal. I flew again this week during lunch after work. <laughs> he said it's that like we're supposed to be amazed. Awesome. I'm loving it. I got to fly the crap out of the 380 this week uh which has been a lot of fun you know finishing up little bits and pieces on the tuning here and there and actually just kind of have fun, having fun going back through the tuning process again uh everything else has been pretty well tuned and for those of you who don't know on the speed side there's not really a lot to tune per se and so you get through it pretty quickly it's not like tuning for 3d so that was kind of fun, and I spent a couple of lunch times 
uh, doing going through all four of my packs each time. And uh, like I had said before, settling in around the sort of 2,800 to 3,000 mark, what I've now decided on is 2,900 is my regular old idle up for 3D and and uh, just having fun. I can drop down to about 2,700 to do some more pilot proficiency stuff, you know, the precision stuff. Mm-hmm. And then my idle up three, I've got up and I do need to, I need to, I need to pinion up here, but for, for what it's worth, I've got it up at 90%, which doesn't give me headroom on the governor, mm-hmm. but I don't care. It's fun, which is about 32 or 3,300. And then I use that to do speed training. So, Justin, how do those head speeds compare to what you're flying on the chase? Because it's you know a little bit larger blade size, so fair you know, amount I, larger actually. I mm-hmm. I think that they compare pretty darn good because on the chase I was right around twenty eight hundred to three thousand. Okay, it's a smaller heli, it's a lighter heli, but it's twenty millimeters shorter blades. Yep, and then you know you go up twenty millimeters to the three eighties. The airframe itself is definitely larger and beefier than the Chase, but still lightweight. And you got to remember, I'm still only running the 1400 packs mm-hmm. that I was running in the Chase. So my 380s on the light side to begin with. I mean, I'm hearing people saying that they fly their 380s at like 3500. <laughs> I don't know what the hell they are doing flying <laughs> this freaking thing at 3500. You guys are out of your damn minds. Because it does not need it. I'm serious. I mean, it it's great at 3,000. And on 1,400s, I get five minutes, and it comes down at 3.8. So hmm. it is that versatile that I can do proficiency, I can do fun 3D, and I can do speed all at the same time by just flipping to a different idle up. Isn't that cool? It is, I, man. I dig because that. now I don't feel like I have to choose. Well, okay, well, okay. I'm only going to bring the 380 today, which means I got to work on 3D. Nope. I can do whatever the hell I want, and that thing is fast. Doing speed trials. I mean, it is fast as hell. May mm. even put the GPS on it. We'll see. There you go. Nice. Now I'm going to have to get one so that we can do. Um, I'll we're gonna race races yeah yeah I'm all for it that'd be fun that's what I'm hoping to get out of the 570 and is and the triple blade head is like turning that into my because already right now I love doing proficiency stuff on it mm-hmm. because it it's not quite as stable as the 700 so it, it makes you work just a little more but yet it sits good enough I'm assuming like, you know, for you, like the 380 does, that it's still fun to do it with. Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't flown the the 770 in two weeks, but I'll tell you the 380 flies every bit as stable as any heli in that size range ever has. I mean, it certainly feels at least like 500. Cool. Yeah. uh, So... Let's see. So I got some flying in. I don't get to take a no fly. I'm not taking a no buy, although I didn't really buy all that much. Uh, I got just just for fun, you know, messing around with the the jetty telemetry is sort of a side nerd thing for me. 
And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get the radio to begin with. So I picked up a Jetty brushless RPM sensor. And, you know, there's nothing special to it. It is a, a Jetty specific sensor. So it has all the programming integrated into it and the radio. But it's really no different than like a Hobby Wing or, you know, a Hyperion sensor where you plug in two of the three motor wires you plug into this thing. And it looks at the phase pulses. Uh, and you give it the motor pole count and the gearing, and now you have real-time readout of your head RPM on your radio. And then you can go one step further, and I'm still messing around with with how to get this to work, but uh, you can do telemetry controls, and so you can set it up so I can tune on the radio to get the head speed that I want on a dial or on a switch as opposed to having to deal directly with the throttle curve, which is really pretty neat. So That took I'm, me a minute when you explained it on the phone. I was like, but how are your, it's a throw. Oh, now <laughs> I get it. So instead of like just using, you know, like a hobby wing or whatever, where you actually set your head speed when it's in governor mode via flat throttle curve, what you're saying is, you're using the RPM data coming from the sensor and you're just dialing in a number and it's doing the translation to throttle curve. Yeah, you. I'm not, I'm, it's not used as a governor. Just to be clear, I'm using the Hobby Wing 50 amp ESC internal governor. All you're using is, it as a radio tack. Yeah, it, exactly, yep. dude. That is it right there. So instead of having to get my audio tack out on the phone or telling someone, hey, dude, can you, you know, optical tack me? Because half the time I'm at the field with no one, so that doesn't help. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got it right there on the screen. And I can look at it and say, oh, you know what? This head speed feels good. What is it? Oh, it's 2950. Great. So I'm giving it a try on the 380 because it's, I mean, the sensor weighs like seven grams. So I'm going to give mm -hmm. it a try on the 380. And if, if I like it and I can integrate it into the whole thing, then maybe I'll pick a couple of them up for the speed helis and the 770 as well. See, for, for you, using external governors, that's perfect. Yep. Uh, or like Jesse, with yours on the 7HV and the Jive, mm -hmm. that'd be great. Wouldn't do me any good, but... Well, or, that's because you, you just go into V-Bar and tell it you want a yeah 1850 right yeah so for yep. the icon for people that are flying the their fly barless governors it doesn't do anything but but i get yeah. data logged on it so i can go back and look at my plots to see how well the governors so that would be cool too yeah, yeah that is way cool and even you know man how many uh i'm not gonna throw anyone under the bus here because he's gonna start laughing anyway but when you ask someone hey what, how, what head speed are you running and they tell you, mm, 80%. Yeah, you. That's you. This would uh, be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This would be cool for that because uh, now you'd actually know. It'll also be good if it works out for speed to look at under load how much I'm losing. Yeah. You know, you one less thing to get in, yeah. in right the on the radio. Can yeah. You? Oh, these yeah. batteries are shot. Exactly. <laughs> I can. Nice. I did sell something. It was some old, uh, what was it? It was some old uh, planker bits and pieces. I've mentioned before, I've, I, you know, as a side thing, I've been interested in hotliners over the years. Uh, got rid of one of them. 
So that puts some money in the pocket. And as Jesse mentioned last week, it's like, oh, it's burning a hole. Oh, what yeah. am I going to get next? I don't know. We'll figure something out. And the only other thing that I, to buy. I've been <laughs> doing this week is breaking in my 14S flight packs. Yay. Two, op- two sets of OptiPower 4400s, 50C, 7S. One of them after five cycles is coming in at rate about 34C. The second set, I'm, it's, I don't know. It's kind of all over the place. It started at 27, went up to 32, went back down to 30, went up to 31. The temperature's been consistent, so it's not a thermal thing. I'm not sure. So maybe this one just needs a little bit more TLC before it's ready to to give me its all. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us are a little slow in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Sim, not much. I'm up to a little over 15 hours. This week was rough uh, in many different ways. So that's that's uh, that's where I'm at right now. Nice, dude. Just when you thought that the guys at Soco Heli Tools had pushed setup methodology to the absolute state of the art, they come out with yet another innovation. In combination with their Soco Helical, which fits all sizes and all brands of helis, they've recently announced the Soco Heli Tools mobile app. This app greatly simplifies your setup by completely eliminating the need for a level working surface or main shaft. Available in stores soon for Android and Apple devices, this new mobile software will do everything that your original SoCo kit did, but with the added benefit of all measurements, calculations, and directions in one easy-to-use app. When you're ready to kick it up a notch with your heli setup, visit the SoCo team at www.soco-heli-tools.com and check it out. SoCo Heli Tools next generation setup jesse my man that leaves i guess i think i mean look from looking around i guess that leaves me i think i'm the only one left that compass guy yeah well this was a pretty freaking good week now i i just i want to get this out of the way right off the bat because i do have to take a no fly no fly no fly which which as much as that hurts me i'm not gonna let it get me down because i still had a pretty good week so like i mentioned sorry what made me think? I, I i almost can't even remember what i was going to talk about <laughs> just, sorry and it's blank no, so like I mentioned last week, I sold some stuff, which then put some money in my pocket, which I then spent this week on getting the Kronos upgrade kit. Yeah, boy. Yeah, which I it long overdue. You know, I should have got this long time ago. But trying to save, be responsible, you know, do the whole grown up <laughs> thing. <laughs> Anyways, it's here. It showed up yesterday. And, hey, if if you guys uh, listened to the show last week about the build, you know which part I went for first, and you probably know what happened to it. Canopy! <laughs> Is it still in working condition? 
<laughs> the canopy should still fit on the helicopter. Uh, slight deformation. Uh, nothing permanent. I think nothing I'll be able it. to. Hey, dude, you know what? I, I'm pretty sure that uh, you know how to use the blow dryer. Yeah. To yep. get things molded back together. Get everything put yep. back in its place. And there should be no rubbing on the on the heli or anything like that. So should be good to go. But no, this this is awesome. It basically, I mean, it feels like I'm getting a, a brand new helicopter. You know, as many parts that come with this upgrade kit. So I finally tore into it last night and I was working on it um, most of today. Um, I thought it would be a fairly quick conversion. You know, there's not a ton of parts. You got bearing blocks, the head, main shaft. Um, yeah, so not, not a, I guess not a whole lot of parts, but... The thing I'm finding is it actually takes a lot longer to tear the helicopter down. And then I figure, well, why, while it's this far apart, I might as well go through everything. You know, it is the beginning of the season, fun fly coming up. I don't want to be tearing this thing apart again in a couple weeks going, shoot, why didn't I just replace that bearing now? Or, you know, be a little bit more thorough now to prevent that maintenance in a couple weeks. So I'm really being meticulous and going through everything on the helicopter um, getting the alcohol spray out and cleaning everything, getting all the grease out of everything. Um, so really just taking my time when I'm tearing it down and making sure that I got that fresh, I guess, fresh starting place to then build off of. So right now it's all torn down and I'm just getting ready to start putting parts on and hopefully throughout the weekend tomorrow and maybe a little bit on Sunday, I'm hoping that I'll have this thing completely put back together and ready to fly. So in addition to doing the Kronos upgrade, I'm also going to be putting a Castle Edge ESC on there. Figure no. it's been long enough trying the heli jive. I say trying, flying the heli jive. You know, it's been, I think, a couple of years straight with just the heli jive. Wait there. a minute, wait a minute. What are you going to do with it? Well, right now it's going to sit on the bench and it's going to just, and so there. you're getting what an, an edge one twenty. Yeah. I, I have an edge one twenty, And so I'm going to make the swap because I'm not using the BEC anymore in the heli, in the heli drive. Cause I have the older heli drive with the low voltage BEC. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I haven't been using that for quite some time. I've just been using, you know, it's governor speed controller. And so there's really no benefit to the BEC portion and you know I was, I'm really curious again about the V-Bar Gov I know when I did the whole Icon review I kind of went through tried the Icon Gov tried the V-Bar Gov for a little bit and then ended up back at the Heli Jive and so I'm really kind of curious about the V-Bar Governor again and I figure what better time to uh, swap it out when I already have everything torn down to yeah. this level you know it's it's not a big deal at all it's not like it's going to keep me from flying a couple of days or anything because I already got the heli basically taken out of service while I'm doing the whole conversion. So It's been quite a while since you've dabbled just for fun. Yeah, I know. And it, it feels good. Try to, you know, see what the V-Bar Gov has to offer. And, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm definitely not selling the heli jive anytime soon. It's going to sit there and be a great backup. But, yeah, I'm definitely just curious to see basically how well does it work? Am I going to be able to... uh notice a difference in the head speed and now it's holding so other than Sweet. that though man just lots of wrenching ahead of me 
Lots of wrenching. Hopefully some flying in the near future. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a good week. Even though just it all happened in the last couple of days, but it's been a good week. Thanks, dude. Alrighty, boys. Sounds like we had a pretty fair week then. But it is that point in the show where I'm thinking that we should probably do some news. Now, Justin. Yes. Do you think that you could manage to pull it off this week? You douched me last week, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I ha You know, I made a little bit of mistake, like people tend to do. You, I thought you edited it out. The news came in great during the show, and then I heard the outro. <laughs> I was like, you gotcha. bastard. You got me. Do you wish there was a fly barless system that could make you throw down like a pro? Well, now there is. The Spartan Vortex Fly Barless System is offering some of the most advanced features seen on the market today, making sure that you'll be flying like a pro in no time. So what are you waiting for? Go and get your Vortex Fly Barless System today. Results may vary based on pitch, response time, age, head speed, brand of heli, time of the year, crash budget, number of friends cheering you on, size of helicopter, temperature, wind, servos, weight of heli, willingness to take risks. Contact your favorite hobby shop about getting your Spartan Fly Barless system today. For more information, check out www.bkdesignsllc.com. This week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. Well played, my friend. Nice. Nailed and now, it. I'm I'm looking at our news here, and uh, I believe <laughs> that we renamed that News Eye. Yeah, news as in singular. Actually, I think it. it what is singular news? Is it just new? New. No. I like News Eye. Actually, you know what? I I think I am going to throw in a curveball. We're going to call it news, and I'm not going to write down what the second one is. How about that? Okay. Hmm. All right. Are we ready for this, for the first news? Yes, please <laughs> give it to me. Here we go. Our buddy, Bert Kammerer, has released a new line of blades. Did you guys see this? I did. I did see this. This is switch a it, switch, switch, it, switch. Switch it up. Yeah, switch <laughs> rotor blades or switch blades. <laughs> that just happened. You that you did you, can can you do it again? What no? That was real. I need <laughs> we would we would need to Je Jesse. I'm gonna slide side tangent. Jesse, you remember at OHB? Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I could drop a beat for you oh, if you want to yeah, try that again, dude. <laughs> we I think that we were they were since we weren't flying. <laughs> they were we drinking. Were partake? Nah. A, yeah, a just little a bit. And they were beatboxing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Jesse was beatboxing and I was throwing a sick Special ass effects. tune in there. That's right. Yeah. Special so effects. You yeah, you know what? Bert okay. Bert maybe Sorry. wanna get maybe wants to get in on that. It's in the next commercial. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh exactly. God. Yeah. Okay. Switch rotor blades, Bert Camera, go. Switch rotor blades from Bert Camera brought to you by BK Designs, which as you guys know is Bert's uh, LLC, his company, uh, brings you BK servos, uh, distributor for Spartan, 
Flybarless systems, and now four switch rotor blades. So uh, what this is, is a brand new blade brand. Uh, it is going to be for anything from the sport flyer to the hard 3D flyer. And they're also going to have F3C style blades in there. So I think right now what you're going to see is two main uh, types of blades, ones that just say switch on them, which I think is the standard, you know, standard 3D sport pilot. And then you're going to see one that says switch XF and the XF stands for extreme flight. And I think those are for the hardcore smack 3D guys. Smackalicious. Yep. You can get these for main and tail and for helis ranging in size from 250 to 800. Nice. nice. Oh, Got it all. Yes. There is now another brand that will make blades for my 770. And that's got me a little excited. Uh, so I think that's that's fair. I think that's fair. I I'm looking forward to to giving these a try. These There's uh, a lot more blades around lately. There there are, and that's a good thing, dude. Yeah, because there's we hit nothing a low there more a that I hate than feeling like I'm stuck on one brand, not because it's the best, but because it's the size, for example, right? Or mm, the cord yeah. width that I want for my heli. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to, uh, you need to pick up a set of these and then we will have like blade fart contest with the black lines. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. We could do yep. that. Because I got some farts. Well, and here's the deal, dude. They've got 383s. I am Ooh, getting some nice. for my 380. Nice. There you go. Wonder if he's going to do triple blade sets. Actually, I believe he is. I think he's right now. What I'm seeing on the website is uh, just two blades, but mm -hmm. I believe he's going to be doing three blade sets as well. I know for a fact that he's going to be doing night blades. So Ooh. I'm looking at right now oh. six, let's see, six 13s and 693XF. Oh, not XF, but 693 premium carbon fiber night blades. Yep. Very nice. So that's going to be pretty freaking sweet, dude. And then tails we have. Let's see what we got for tails. We got 60 millimeters, 72, 86, 92, 95, 95 night, 105, 105 night, and 115. Nice. Should just about cover it. Yeah. What else do you need? <laughs> so Three, I, please. I think these guys are, yeah. <laughs> you know, Bert just announced this this week. Uh, and I think he's gearing up to get these out on the market at all of your uh, favorite retailers in the early May time frame. So as soon as we've got uh, got some more info on that, we'll let you know. And I'm hoping we can get a hold of some because I'd like to see what they're all about. For sure. Sweet. So is that? Oh no! What's your what's your mystery news? Oh, yeah, I've got mystery news, dudes. I'm not sure why I forgot to say this during my section, but I think it's momentous enough to, to do it in the news. 
I pulled the trigger this week on something. Something big. You bought me a V-Control. You shouldn't have. Yes, you're right. Damn it, dude. Man, I love my (laughs) friends. Yep, you're right. But it's the clear plastic one. Hey, are you okay I have with the that? heels to go along with it. You have you do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now, go. I finally sent the email to Mr. Jan Henselit to get put on the list for the TDR2. Oh. MG. Are you serious? I am serious. What's the grand grand salami? How, how much is it going to set you back total? Um, I'm not sure yet. I think it. They're still adding. They're still working <laughs> on it. It's supposed to be released in about the June time frame, and that's just for the first 100. And I think I read on one of the forums that the waiting list is like eight or nine hundred people long. He hasn't given me my me? number yet, so I'm not too worried. I think it's going to be a while. I don't suspect. I mean, I think I'll be lucky if I can get it before the end of the year as a winter build, but it comes in two two flavors. It's the wait, wait, wait hold on, what eight or nine hundred? Yeah, yeah, dude, he's had the waiting list open since like twenty thirteen, I think. Holy cat, that's man, <laughs> better get built. Just said something horrible. <laughs> Redirect. <laughs> I mean, hey, that <laughs> that's more than some entire companies. That may be sold. that may be entirely incorrect, but I was looking through the forums the on rumor. the Henselit page and there are some people there that had mentioned that multiple people, independent sources who tend to be respected as being in the know. So maybe it's completely hearsay, but uh my gut feel is I'm not going to get mine anytime soon. So the deal is that you can get it uh, in its normal fiberglass canopy version with fixed skids, or you can get a carbon fiber version with retractable skids. Uh, And the retractables (laughs) are for, you know, so that you can do it as a speed trainer. I don't know if you've seen it. It's pretty slippery. Yes. Uh, I think it's 1500 euros for the base kit and then a hundred euros each for the retractable skids and the carbon canopy. So all up would be 1700, which right now the Euro isn't doing all that well against the dollar. Uh, my luck, it'll, it'll go up by it'll 20% <laughs> by the time mine's Double ready. But, um, <laughs> you know, so 1700 euros is about, I don't know, eighteen hundred and fifty bucks or something like that. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, you know the the TDS. Uh, they they've had a lot of challenges with it. The three blade heads on hold. Uh, the fuselage I think is on hold, given how complex and expensive it is to manufacture. So right now people are thinking it's really the TDR two, and Jan may come out with. sort of an upgrade kit that will allow you to turn the two into the TDS. Mm -hmm. Uh, But who knows? I love my TDR so much that to me, it's a, it's a no brainer. Like I don't even have to wait to see how it turns out. It's kind of like your favorite, you know, rock band. When the new CD comes out, you just buy it. 
You don't need to listen yeah. to the music. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I'll insert one joke in here for Dan since he's not here. Or like when a new goblin comes out, Nick's just gonna buy it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I'll go. Oh, that would hurt. Out yeah. of obligation. Just lost a little credibility. Oh. I did say okay. that, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I heard it. I was ignoring it. I know. <laughs> yeah, so that's my news. I'll keep it posted. When he news. responds back and tells me what number I am, then that'll come out on the show, too. Uh, then we'll have a laugh. Real. It'll be like, yeah, thanks for putting your name on the list. Uh, you should expect to provide a down payment by June of 2016. <laughs> awesome alright well let's uh, why don't you take us out of the news please alright this week's news was brought to you by helidaily.com your daily RC helicopter news magazine having a trailer full of new helis isn't anything to complain about but we're still talking about the same old dumb thumbing triple sow cow and Charlie Chaplin Ottoan pilot behind the sticks. Now I'm not exactly easy on my helis and when I need parts, I need them fast. This is where Lower Heli comes to the rescue. With a great variety of my personal favorite heli parts and batteries, no matter how bad the crash, I'm sure to be able to get right back in the air to do it all over again. Fly lower at www.lowerheli.com. Sweet. All righty. We have... Awesome. We got a couple reviews. Yes. That have been... Some we of do. them... Some of them long time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Slow your roll. <laughs> hey Uh, Yeah, Thorough. so... I, like I think we're going to... Get into those, and Jesse, I'm going to make you wait about 15 more minutes. I know you're just dying to do uh, that, but I am going to step in here. That works. Okay. So what I've got here, I have a, a unit. It's called the buffer unit made by R2 Prototyping. Uh, first, I would like to say thank you to Danny Melnick at demonero.com for sending this to us, and... Uh, I am super excited that he did. You know, backup units, and when I talk about backup units, we're talking about receiver power, uh, redundancy type. Oh, my God, I lost receiver power. Please don't wad yourself up in the air. Uh, sort of save me's. How about that? What's cool about this unit is that it is not a battery. I've owned other ones. Inevitably, at some point, I screw them up somehow. I leave them turned on and or just for the sheer sake of them being a lipo battery and eventually they will all die. Uh, they bleed down on the bench and or I kill it and let it run down too low and not pay attention to it. This is not. What this is, is this is actually three super capacitors. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have ever done like car audio stuff back in the day we had these big capacitors and when i mean big they're like eight or nine inches tall like two to three inches around and they were one farad 
And that was huge, <laughs> right? You bolted that sucker right on the side <laughs> of your... Jesse, you know what I'm talking oh, about. I, yeah, yeah, I've used them before. It looks like three pop cans stacked on top of each mm-hmm. other. That's right. right? you ever put well, your tongue across the terminals? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. That's why I am the way I am now. I would not recommend it. But <laughs> these three capacitors in here are 50 farads a piece oh, for a total of yes. 150 farads. Nice. That is insane. Now, size-wise, size-wise, it's about, let's see, about 52 millimeters wide, 45 millimeters deep, and about 18 millimeters tall. Uh, so you don't have to get out a ruler. Think four-cell NICAD pack, like the one that you get. Oh, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Like with the radios or whatever. Yep. Think about that, but just a little bit thicker. So not the smallest, but I would not call it overly bulky. When you pull it out of the package, you're going to see you've got these three supercapacitors there with a little board, little circuit board across the top, and a single servo lead coming out of the um, out of the top of the circuit board with a servo plug on. So wait a minute, are the caps kind of like similar in diameter to like a double A battery, but not nearly as long, right? No, I would say they are more, eh, think more like your pointer finger. Yep. A little bit bigger round. In between that and a C battery. How about that? Oh, Split wow. The okay, they are beefy. Yep. Yeah, okay. they are. They're definitely, they are beefy. They are a little bit shorter, though. But what's creepy is when you grab it, you're thinking that's going to be a big ass. It's going to feel like a battery pack, right? But it doesn't because it's light because they're not batteries. Less than 30 grams. It's a little bit like it throws you for a loop because you're thinking it's going to be heavy, but then it's not. And you're going, oh, okay. So if we look at it on the top of the circuit board, there are two dials, one of which sets your charge rate. And the way this whole thing works, there's no power on switch. This goes. This gets plugged into your fly barless unit or your receiver, um, and the second that you turn on receiver power, albeit BEC or receiver pack or whatever, the capacitors begin charging, and they charge at a rate of whatever you have that dial set to. Default is 650 milliamps, but it'll go up to 900 milliamps. You know, charge time for me... I was seeing right about one minute to be fully charged. And how do you know that? Well, there's two LEDs on the back, a red and a green. The red turns on the second it sees voltage higher than its current state of charge, letting you know that, oh, hey, I just powered on. And then when it's fully charged up to the input voltage, the green LED will come on to let you know. Now, can you fly before it's charged? Well, absolutely. I mean, as you're spooling up, as you're flying, if any capacity is taken out of it, it's going to recharge it as long as you have excess current available, if you know what I mean. So next to that other um, next to that other little potentiometer and dial is one for cutoff voltage. What that does is that voltage sets at which the unit quits outputting power. And you say, okay, well, why would I want to do that? Well, if you guys have ever done any bench testing where you've slowly reduced your input voltage to your receiver, once you hit that point, 
uh, which on a Futaba is about three and a half volts, somewhere around in there, where things start, like you reach that point, it loses connection, everything twigs out. I I mean, like servos go all up this way and that way, (laughs) and like it'll throw it into a bind. If you can imagine what that would do to your model in midair, it would be really, really bad. So what I did is I brought it up until right as I lost signal and they, and they, you know, no longer was the transmitter talking to the receiver. That's when it shut off because at that point you're a goner anyway. I would rather it go limp than like throw me into a full positive or negative situation or, you know, that's going to be like, it's just going to be way worse. Right. And then there's only one more thing on the end of, of that circuit board, and it's the power off button. It's just a little teeny little micro button. And what you do is you plug this in, let it charge all the way up, fly, you do your thing, you come back in, you unplug your flight pack, uh, or, you know, or your receiver battery. If you're going that way, you shut your BEC off, and then you reach back and you push that button down, and it shuts that unit off. When it's in its turned off state, it naturally will bleed down those supercapacitors so you don't have a potential welding device sitting there right on your bench because <laughs> mm-hmm. there is a lot of energy stored in those suckers. Uh, you know, what do I like about this? This thing is, for me, perfect because it's having this buffer and we call it a buffer unit because it it really does stay active quite a bit it's going to even out those large current spikes you know when you're flying along and let's say you've got your i'm just going to use this as an example because they have been in question in the past like your bec pro right you come into it you do this huge wall and you just wham on the collective all your servos twig out your tail servo gets that huge jolt you're going to cause a massive current spike out of your bec well if your bec can't handle it then you get a voltage drop this will help even that out because now instead of the voltage going down and your bec not being able to deliver anymore this thing's going to start dumping start dumping current back in there and help make up for it it'll also help reduce back emf from your servos back into your fly barless unit and your receiver so think of it i mean it's it's kind of no different than your capacitors in the safety sense it's like on the front of your esc it -hmm. just helps stabilize everything there is now this is going to be a big one and i know i was kind of shocked by this but i think it's situational there is no way to know if this unit has turned on or is off while flying. So you don't know. How do you know? With telemetry. Now, for some people, they're like, whoop, that's it. Okay, sorry, I don't have telemetry. And I I completely understand that. I'm not saying it still wouldn't be good because, you know, it is an extra, it's an extra safety thing, but yeah, you know, <laughs> you could still potentially have a BEC fail in flight, have a receiver pack fail, continue to fly, not even know it, and end up crashing. What I did on mine, my 10J, I have telemetry. I have my BEC set at 8 volts. 
I did a little bit of experimenting on the bench and I ended up setting my telemetry alarm 0.3 volts lower than what the BEC was set at. Now, how did I come to that conclusion? Well, uh, I sat there and wiggled the sticks as fast as I could and watched on my radio and you know how it'll record like your min and max. Yeah. And I just looked at the minimum voltage at which it went down to and then set my alarm 0.1 volt lower than that. And what that ended up doing is if I'm sitting there flying along, flying along, and I lose receiver power, within one, right at about the one second mark, the alarm started going off. So I'm not going to say instant because it's not instantaneous, but extremely quick from losing receiver power, your alarm Hmm. will start going off and then you know, okay, I better get my butt back in and land because... I'm now running on a time scale. That leads to the final big question. What kind of time scale are we talking about? <laughs> the now, this question. Was, like that, that everyone wants to know. Because in the advertisements, they say 10 to 60 seconds. Well, that's a big difference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a really big difference. So uh, what I tried to do in my bench testing was I tried to set out to create Extreme on one end, extreme on the other, and then kind of real world in the middle. I did all of this on, I did all the testing on my Goblin 570 because it has a Castle BEC on it. And I figured of the worst power sources that I could have on 12S, by the way, uh, I was going to put it up against this. So what I did is I got it all hooked up. I started wiggling my two sticks so I got all four servos going as fast as I possibly could. That put about a five amp load on the receiver system and I pulled receiver power out of it. And I did it. Nonstop, 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 nonstop. That gave me, and these were uh, expert servos. So I would say average, just normal, you know, running at eight volts. That gave me 35 seconds before my receiver shut down. And your receiver shuts down at what voltage? At 3.4 volts is right when it did it. So 35 seconds. Now on the other side of that, then what I did was I simulated what I would call a light load. Uh, So (laughs) believe it or not, I had my SIM open on the computer And I pretended like I was flying the sim with the sticks. Just nice, light movement. Servos were kind of just chilling, walking around nice and easy, little bit. That averaged about a one amp load. (laughs) And I got a minute and 25 seconds. Big difference. Yep. So it is of my opinion that 35 seconds I mean, five amp constant load, that's a serious load for a receiver system. If you're running an alarm on this, minimum 35 seconds, I would say maximum minute 25 right around in there. Realistically, even if you're flying super hard 3D, you're in the middle of a hurricane when this happens, (laughs) you are going to have plenty of time to get back down. I mean, plenty of time. The highest auto that I've ever shot was like a 30-second auto. 
And that's way up there. I mean, way Oh, yeah, oh, yeah dude. That's... It's just when you hear numbers in less than a minute, people get nervous. But again, like you said, do it on the bench and convince yourself. It's not. I mean, if it takes you 30 seconds to auto down, we've got other issues. <laughs> that's right. right. And, and it also is kind of dependent, you know, of your voltage at which you're inputting into the unit, which, by the way, it's good up to eight and a half volts on the input. And there's no setting there for for the people who aren't very familiar with how capacitors work. They're just going to charge up to what you input them. And I, and I will yep. emphasize it is extremely dependent on what voltage you charge them to. Because right, the higher voltage you charge them to, the more voltage you have between your starting voltage and when you brown out. And that defines the maximum energy that this thing has to give to your system. So we're looking at, for example, if we drop down to, because I, I figured this into it. If we drop down to six volts, which I really don't think many people are flying at much lower than six these days, but at six volts, we're at about the 20 second mark. So, mm -hmm. you know, you got to be think fast, but that's at the high, that's at the heavy load. I mean, I'm not kidding. I don't know how you could keep your helicopter in the air wiggling the sticks as fast as I was. I mean, it's going down anyway at that point. So, you know, you do have to be a little bit more Johnny on the spot, but I still feel at six volt input voltage, you have plenty of time to hear the beep, flip the heli upright, comprehend what's happening, turn around, hit throttle hold, nice and cruise it on in. Now, you know, why hit throttle hold? Well, it's a safety thing. You don't really want to be under power and yeah. three feet off the ground, you know, almost ready to land and have it brown out or, you know, have it lose connectivity at that point. Yep. That would be bad. But uh, I just, I feel that it's plenty of time, more than plenty of time. You know, for me, why does this work? Well, the telemetry thing is what makes it awesome. And more importantly, I'm a space cadet out at the field. You know, I've always got so much stuff going on, helis that I've got to tune, this and that. Oh, what am I doing to this one? What am I doing to that? The fact that I don't have to turn it on is huge. I can That's remember the to one turn that it would on. make yep. a big difference for me, too, because I never remember to turn my stuff on and off ever, ever. No. And the fact that I can turn it on, it turns on automatically. And if I do leave it on, I'm not going to hurt anything. Yeah. That makes it even better. Because I've, I've done that with other ones that, you know, with like the power on off switch. I've come back like 20 minutes later and gone to pick my heli up and like, wow, why are the servos stiff? Oh, God, shit, it's on. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Oops. Not good. Uh, retail on this unit's about forty nine bucks. I, I only have, you, you know, if I had to find some complaints in the stock form, it was difficult for me to push that power off button. I had to try and line it up with my fingernail just right. So what I did is I took an exacto knife and I just did a little teeny circle right around the bu actual button and removed the heat shrink. Ah, uh, there you Prob go. Problem so your solved. finger goes right to yep. it then. Yeah. 
I mean, you just, and I have this tucked in for those wondering about the size. Uh, I have it tucked in the back of my frames on the 570. Uh, and I just secured it. I, I'm not kidding. I just secured it with 3M tape. That's how confident I am that it's mm -hmm. not going to go anywhere because yep. it's so lightweight. And I don't even look at it anymore. I just reach around the back and you can feel the button, push it. No fingernail, no nothing anymore. So that took care of that. And then, you know, the size fits. I would say that 500 size is about, I think, as small as is going to be realistic for it. You know, definitely it'll fit on anything bigger than that. But 500 would be a squeeze. Uh, anything smaller than that, eh, I don't know. I don't run backups on anything yeah, I mean, smaller it, than it that. It doesn't sound like the weight would be an issue, more just no. where are you going to put the thing? Well, so here's yes. the deal. I'm pretty sure you can get the little circuit board that you're talking about, Nick. You can buy that separately, and then you can buy the super caps separately as well. So for yes. a smaller model, maybe you only need 50 farads or 100, you know, that sort of a thing. Absolutely. Yeah, R2's got some really, really cool stuff over there. And I just, you know, I am, I think they did a great job for this. You know, yes, it it really is designed around a telemetry system. But if you have a telemetry system, in my opinion, it is the best setup out there. No question, hands down, just because the ease of use. So... I'm giving this one a big thumbs up for me. If if it'll fit on your heli and you have telemetry, it, it's, I mean, it really is just a no-brainer. And it's going to be my personal go-to uh, backup from here on out. Yeah, so dude, I, I think it's, uh, it's pretty free. And, and you know what? While you were talking there, I, I went and and looked really quick. I'll do you one better. You don't even have to build your own. Yours is the one that has uh, 350 farad caps, right? Correct. There's a smaller one that has 325 farad caps. Mm. Ooh, nice. It's 24 millimeters by 38 millimeters by, uh, let's see here. Am I getting those dimensions right? Yeah, 28 by 24 by 38 it says yeah that sounds about right which that's a fair amount smaller yeah yeah that would easily lay down uh in the frame mm -hmm. of a 500 maybe you know maybe not the 360 class but yeah i just i dig it I, i'm into simplicity you know make it do what i <laughs> needed to do keep it simple it take me out of the loop as much <laughs> yeah. as possible yeah 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 you yep. know and uh uh, you know, I kind of, I messed around with the charge rate on it and stuff. And it's, I mean, you can turn it up more if you want. It, in theory, it's going to stress your BEC a little bit more. I don't know. The 650 milliamps where it was right out of the box, just, it works great. By the time I get my heli plugged in, grab my neck strap, you know, get it on, walk out, set the heli down, start spooling it up, it's charged. Yeah, and so I mean, I've, let's let's be honest here. If it, for the nerds out there who are interested, you can do some pretty simple math and figure out what the capacity is. And at eight volts, this thing is equivalent to about a forty to forty-five milliamp hour lipo. Uh, at six hundred and fifty milliamps charge rate, 
doesn't take very long to charge that yeah. little guy. No. Right? And, so, and also to put it, so what did you say capacity-wise? 45 milliamp hours. Okay. And I can tell you that, and a lot of people who are, fly, who are flying like 2S LiPos, the smaller mm -hmm. ones, mm -hmm. know that on a 700 class with fairly efficient servos we're getting we're using 150 to 180 milliamps for an entire five yep. minute flight yeah and in fact uh you can do the math and i did for your specific case starting at eight volts and going to 3.5 my math said that you should have 31 seconds you said you got 35 yep. at, at uh what was it five amps five amps yeah about five yeah. amps so there you go I mean, plus or minus a few seconds here or there, you can actually do the math for yourself to convince yourself. But this yeah. this is, it's just an awesome little device. Nice. Yeah, I couldn't be, I, I couldn't be any happier. So thank you to Danny again at Demon Arrow. We really appreciate you sending this over. And congratulations to R2 Prototyping. Uh, I personally think you have taken a completely different approach to the backup receiver portion of the hobby and stepped the bar up, but at the same time, stepped it up with simplicity. Sweet, dude. And now yeah, I got to get one. some of these. Yeah, I need that's, damn it. that's the worst part. I need two more right yep. now. Well, add it to the list <laughs> of what to buy. Yeah, Just that, that list ongoing, that you never find the bottom of it. growing list. Yeah. Hey, Caleb, would you mind uh, charging up my batteries while I pack up all my helis and other gear so we can head out to the field? I would love to, if I could figure out how to work this charger. It's so confusing. You really need to get yourself a new one. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. I know exactly what I'll get. I'm going to head over to revelectrics.com to order myself up a brand new dual PowerLab 8 charger. With the pre-programmable menus and the endless customization, it's extremely fast and easy to charge nearly any battery. Thank God. So Just, speaking of the list, Jesse, yo. you've been uh, spending some time with some 180, CF, uh, 180 CFX, correct? You know, I th it's ringing a bell. Um, I've had it for a while. And, you know, I'm going to say it's because I really want to be thorough with this helicopter. Is that, is that fair? Is that a fair excuse? I, I'm buying I it so it. far. <laughs> yeah, so no, I I have been spending a lot of time with the Blade 180 CFX. And so to start off, I got to give a huge thanks to Blade Helicopters and Horizon Hobby just for you know basically giving me the opportunity to take a look at this little guy. And I got to say, I was really, really excited um, right out of the gate to get my hands on a micro because for one, I don't think we've done, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we've done a micro heli review on the show, for one. We did Dan one. did an axe. Did oh, axe yeah. CP100. Yeah, that was a long it time. It was a that, while back. It was, it was two a or long three time years ago. ago. Yeah. And I think we're talking a completely different class here. Yes. I would probably agree. To be honest. So, <laughs> so, okay, so one of the first micro reviews on the show. And secondly, it's been a long time since, personally, I've flown a micro. I think for me, 
the last version or like the last micro helicopter I flew was definitely a fixed pitch and it had to be like a 120 SR or an MSR or one of those wow. early blade helicopters. I, I have not, I had not flown an MCPX, did not jump on that boat. So right out of the gate, I'm pretty excited to, you know, kind of see what this whole thing's about going through all the sizes of helis working up to a 700, jumping back to the warp. I mean, hey, it almost makes sense to kind of keep jumping down, especially if the performance is there. So you'll find that the helicopter comes completely assembled and it's packed really tightly in a nice you know, kind of custom fit styrofoam container inside the box. Definitely, there's not going to be any damage during shipping and you're going to make sure that this thing gets safely and when you get it home, you're going to open it up and you're not going to find any problems. Now, the other kind of cool thing about the box is it's got a handle on it. And then, like I mentioned, with the styrofoam insert holding the heli in there so tight, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple guys out there using this as a travel case, kind of bringing it back and forth to the field, maybe throwing it in the car. Um, this is definitely one of those boxes that I think I'm going to hang on to um, just for transporting the heli around. And knowing that it's not going to get damaged. Once you open up the box, pull the helicopter out, you'll find a couple other things in there. Now, since it is fully assembled, you're not going to find a whole lot of tools. Just a couple little Allen keys and then a bind plug and, of course, instruction manual. So the helicopter, as it comes from the factory, you're going to find a 15 amp Talon, Castle Talon speed controller on there. A 450 milliamp 30C 3S LiPo. And yes, this is a micro helicopter running on a 3S LiPo. I think if we remember back, that was like standard 450 voltage. Oh, yeah. Now, dude, we're, now, we're putting this on, now, now we're putting this on a 180. So 3S LiPo and then the Blade AS3X technology with Pyro compensation in the control fly barless unit. So the overall length of this thing is 340 millimeters, which is about 13 inches. Each rotor blade is 154 millimeters, so about six inches. And the total main rotor diameter, including the head, is 360 millimeters. So you divide that by two, you get 180, probably where the size came from. And the, the total main rotor diameter, that's about 14 inches. The all-up weight battery canopy ready to go, we're looking at 200 grams. Dude, that's actually a lot bigger of a heli than I had imagined in my head. Yeah, it's, it's over yeah, a foot it's, long. Yeah, thirteen inches. Wow, um, the total length. So it's it it definitely. I mean, when gives I hear micro, that, I think of like the MSR or the Nano CPX. This oh, is this like is over a twice micro. Oh yeah, this is over twice the size. And then you know, even stepping it up from those other helis even more, you're going to find this thing, you know, carbon fiber frames. You got the rotating servos instead of, I think most, a lot of the smaller micros have the linear style servo. Yep. yep. So these are rotating. It actually looks like your standard shrunk down servo. Um, torque tube for the tail drive and then full right from the factory brushless motor. So pretty impressive um, right out of the gate. So you pull the heli out. It's all pre-assembled. You pull off the, the uh, cute little blade holder, you know, kind of pull the blades out. This brings us up to the programming, which I got to say, Blade really nailed it with this one because they made it just super convenient and easy for nearly anyone to sit down, 
and program. So this is a bind and fly helicopter. You got to make sure you, you have a spectrum radio sitting around. This can be all the way from DSM-2 all the way up to you know DSM-X, brand new, old to brand new. It covers the whole range. Now for the programming, you're going to want to go straight to the manual. And what you're going to find in there is for each spectrum transmitter, they have it outlined in basically a setup profile. So it's going to tell you exactly what to put in for your throttle curve, your endpoints. Do you need to, you know, which channels you need to reverse, how to set up the gyro channel so that you can adjust the gyro gain right on your transmitter. Um, Very, very cool. And it does take a lot of the guesswork out of it. And it speeds up the whole entire process because I can tell you from about the time I pulled this thing out of the box to where I'm sitting there going, all right, transmitters programmed. I actually think I'm ready to fly this thing. I look up at the clock. It's been like 20 minutes. <laughs> first, first heli I've ever done that with. That's my kind of time frame. Yeah. You're sitting there going, I thought I just opened the box and now I'm sitting here going, let's fly it. So set up. Breeze, like I said, just stick to the manual, find your exact transmitter in there, and you do want to make sure that you put in the correct transmitter. I do know the uh, channel directions are different on some of them, so don't overlook that detail, and yeah, piece of cake, you'll cruise right through it as I did. So for the first flight, I got to admit, I wasn't, you know, I'm still kind of in this micro mode where I'm going, okay, this is a little heli. It's late at night when I find, you know, when I pulled it out of the box and got the setup done, I'm going... I think I'm just going to take this thing for a little uh, test hover in the garage. You know, it's a it's a small heli. It, it should be fine. Well, kind of clear a little spot out in the garage and go to spool this thing up. And I got nervous. The head speed and the sound was actually intimidating in a small <laughs> in the small little space <laughs> in my garage. And I, <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, it's spooling up. You know, it's got the soft start, so nothing it doesn't it doesn't spin on me or anything. It's just spooling up normal. I kick it up into idle up one, which I've set at 80%. And I immediately aborted because <laughs> I was like <laughs> This, oh, that is this, awesome, dude. This is, I just, I can oh, see it. This great. Right, this is the, the <laughs> helicopter do the review on, and I freaking crashed it into the side of my garage. On the, on the maiden. On the, on the maiden. So I said, I'm not going to be that guy. I boarded it. It did not leave the ground that night in the garage. <laughs> I was very tempted. So a couple days later, finally made it out to the field. So I just want to note, for the first flight here, I left everything bone stock as far as the tail gain 50% I didn't use any dual rates and I did not program any expo uh, into the transmitter I pretty much wanted to just get the transmitter programmed correctly and then see how it flew you know right from that point so the first liftoff right away I got to tell you I was blown away by the stability I'm looking up at the heli and you, you know, it registers how, how large the heli is visually, but then what I'm feeling at the sticks is a much larger heli. Cause I'm thinking, okay, this is a little heli. There's a little bit of a breeze blowing. It's going to be kind of squirrely. I better, I need to be ready to kind of chase this thing around a little bit and make sure I'm on it. But that was not the case, um, really at all. So it seems that blades done a great job with, I don't want to call it like a, stability enhancement or 
I don't, I don't know what you exactly, it's not an auto hover by any means, but they've done a great job with just making the helicopter fly stable. And I think that seems to be the trend, you know, with fly barless systems. We keep saying how the 250s are flying or the, the 450s are flying like the 500s. Well, mm-hmm. this 180, I mean, man, it's flying like the old 450s or something, you know, something like that. It's making, it's making the jump. So they've, is there any self stable? I mean, I know all fly barless systems are meant to stabilize, but like actually like self-leveling does it have that feel to it no it, it definitely does not have a self-leveling feel because it's just when i think when stable. i think of yeah when i think of self-leveling i think of you know you give a right let's say you you give a right ailer on input and then it goes back to center yeah, when you let exactly. go exactly it's it's not like that it still is your typical fly barless response okay um but i was just expecting to kind of chase it around um a lot more so for the first couple of flights, I my main focus, just like with any heli, is tuning. And in this case, I really wanted to start with just the basic gain that you have access to and you know, kind of what I think most people would go to. So in this case, that's adjusting the tail gain right on the transmitter. So right out of the gate, the stop gains on the tail were a little bit too high. So for you know, 3D flight style, that I'd say the tail gain was a little bit high at 50%. And actually the governing symptom was the stop gain. So I actually had to lower the tail gain down to make it so that the stops weren't oscillating. And it did make the tail feel a little bit loose, although I didn't have, you know, by no means was the tail blown out or did I have any authority, tail authority issues or anything like that. Um, but I did find it odd that the stops were what was kind of governing where I could set that overall um, tail gain. So with the basic tuning on the transmitter, all you can you know all you can adjust is just that one main tail gain. So you know up or down, kind of basically just like your old style gyro. So once I did get that tuned in and I got it to where it was completely flyable, I was able. You know, it was fully capable of 3D flight, but I can tell you that I definitely wanted to dig in a little bit deeper and see what the advanced tuning menus had to offer. Now, for somebody that's just getting started, let's say you're going to get this helicopter and, you know, your goal isn't to go out and do 3D right away. You want to use this as a tool for learning. Let's say you're still hovering forward flight. Man, I don't even know if you'd have to look to the advanced menus because, like I said, even though the tail might have felt a you know a touch loose maybe not quite as tight as i'd like it it definitely was 100 percent flyable um and for you know your sport type flying there wasn't a whole lot of reason to go into the advanced tuning menus so digging a little bit deeper and this is another you know really really cool feature is i don't think on a lot of previous micros you've even had the option to go in and go okay, I'm going to adjust the P gain on the head or the I gain on the tail or, you know, go in. I don't think go, any of them. Go no. in that deep and really dive in. So what's really cool is on this helicopter, you have access to the gain values for P, I, and D on the head and P, I, and D on the tail, as well as like a cyclic response setting, which I kind of interpret to be, we talk about it like on the V-bar for paddle sim. It's kind of that off-center response. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I got you. And so you can access a setting for that as well. So it was really nice to kind of get in there, see some very common names. I mean, 
some of the fly barless systems use a little bit different vocabulary, but a lot of them are those PI and D for the head and PI and D for the tail. So it was really nice to see those and just know that, okay, I went through the basic tuning and it flies pretty good, but for, you know, those people that want to dig a little bit deeper, there is that option for them and they can, you know, tweak the heli to fly how they want. So some really cool things about the advanced tuning is if you have a spectrum transmitter that's telemetry enabled, you can actually go on the transmitter and access all seven of those gains and you can put in exact percentages or adjust, you know, down to the one percentage change on which gain you want to adjust and how much you want to adjust it. And this could be really convenient, you know, when you're talking about setups on the forums or telling your gains to other people and can kind of help you gauge where you're at. Now, if you have a transmitter like I was using that is not telemetry enabled, you don't quite have the same luxury of knowing the exact percentage that you're running on the gain, but they do still give you a way to access all of these gains. And how you do that is when you're powering up the model, you actually hold both sticks to the bottom right hand corner of their throw. So all the, you know, full negative collective and right rudder and then right aileron and down elevator. So all the way in the corners. And this will kind of pop the heli into an advanced menu mode. And from here, you got to look at the swash plate. So you use the aileron channel to kind of toggle through the different, the different gains or the different settings. And based on the tilt of the swash plate, you can correlate that to which setting you're adjusting. And then you use the elevator channel to tip the swash, swash plate forward and backwards to increase or decrease the gain. So it's, uh-huh. so it's definitely a lot rougher of an adjustment, but nonetheless, you still have that ability to where if you don't have a newer transmitter, you can still totally go in and increase one individual gain or drop another, but you're not going to have the luxury of, oh, I'm running 40% on the P gain on the head and 60% on the D gain. So interesting. Um, it's definitely cool. Still, that that's pretty cool, dude. It, yeah, it's, it's very cool that they did accommodate you know, the whole range of transmitters that they're claiming this heli is compatible with. So very cool that you can go in and do that. So as soon as I kind of jumped over to tuning with the advanced menu, like I mentioned before, the the stop gains on the tail were kind of what was governing that overall tail gain. So I immediately went in and I lowered down the D gain on the tail just to kind of soften those stops out and then went back to tuning the overall main gain on the tail. Now I did use my, you know, the normal tail tuning method, which was the full collective, huge right aileron roll, basically as fast as fast and as hard as you can do it. And I got to say, I wasn't really able to get the huge overgain like you would on, you know, 700 class heli or what I, what I typically find when it's like, oh, there's a way definitely need to back it down a few. I kind of just kept increasing it until other other symptoms such as you know it started oscillating again really bad on the stops or stuff like that like you could just tell the control system uh, was not 100% happy but as I was increasing that main gain I definitely could feel things uh, tightening up on the tail and once I got the p gain to where once I sorry once I got the main gain to where everything felt pretty good then I jumped back into the advanced menu and raise the D gain up a little bit until the stops were nice and crisp. And then I, I noticed that, you know, you, you sit there tail in in a hover and you do a full punch out and maybe the tail kicks out a little bit, 
but it doesn't return right away. It kind of stays kicked out. So I went in and raised up the eye gain a little bit. And what do you know? All of a sudden the tail kick uh, disappears. So it was really cool to see the gains affecting the flight characteristics exactly like you would predict that they would. Um, it was nice that it wasn't too crazy where you're going, oh, Jesus, this gain definitely isn't doing what I expected it to do. Mm-hmm. So it was nice that, you know, everything seemed to line up and at least coming from tuning, you know, V-Bar, Icon, all the other systems, it, it definitely seemed to make sense, the adjustments and the gains with the response that I was seeing on the actual model. So, nice. so once I got the tail tuned up to where pretty much, I think right now I'm sitting, so I, I ended up a little bit lower than 50, because basically all the gains come, I believe, at 50% right out of the gate, the PID for all the advanced gains. So I ended up a little bit lower on the D gain for the tail and a little bit higher on the I gain, and I didn't touch the P gain, and it seemed to be... Uh, pretty happy right there. So then I transitioned over to tuning the head. Now, what I didn't mention is with before I you know touched the head gain at all, there was definitely some bobbles in 3D flight, very evident in maneuvers like TikToks, where you really need that cl- the the stopping power and you're you know, fully switching directions, and you just need that crisp res- response, and that's usually where the bobbles seem to present themselves. So. I went into the advanced menu and I immediately started increasing the P gain, which might sound a little bit odd because I did say there was a bobble. Some typically you would think you'd lower the gain, but in this case, it felt like it was bobbling because it was too loose. Like it didn't have enough authority to correct properly. I started increasing the P gain and the head definitely did start to tighten up. And eventually I was able to get, I would say, 95% of the bobble out of the head just by adjusting the P gain up a little bit from the 50% where it started. Now I do want to note, you know, I was being pretty aggressive doing the TikToks, but you do have to be spot on with your collective management, which I think kind of goes for any size helicopter. Cause if you're going to do the maneuver crappy, it's, it's not going to be nice and crisp and clean. And you're just not going to be able to tune it out if you don't have that collective management to go along with it. I was being aggressive, but keep in mind, maintain good collective management when you're tuning it. And I think you'll find that the P gain will definitely tighten the head right up and take out most of the bobbles, at least to where it's very flyable and you're going to be happy uh, with the performance. The next thing that I checked, kind of the last little gain and check that I did was testing the eye gain on the head. So basically just going into some larger maneuvers, big loops and rolls and stuff like that. And seeing how well does the head hold heading? Does it kind of tip or is is there shifts? It does it basically hold the angle that I'm telling it to until I give it another input. And I found that, you know, it held very well and I didn't need to adjust the eye gain. So that one's still sitting right at 50%. So I think one of the biggest questions that, you know, I've been getting, I know a lot of people have, and I myself had this before the review was, is this a 3D capable helicopter? And I don't mean just 3D as in, you know, it's collective pitch. Obviously it can fly inverted, but is this truly a 3D helicopter? Because, you know, the the pro pilots can basically, we've all seen the trailer videos for other helicopters 
other micro helicopters, let's say. And the pros can make just about anything look like it's flying just freaking great. You know, but if we kind of peel that back, what does that boil down to for the average person? I want to give it a huge plus in that I do put this in the 3D capable helicopter category. And no, you don't have to be a pro pilot to make it look good while it's doing 3D. I can confidently say that I could do 85 to 90% you know, of the moves that you're going to see me do on my 7HV on this little guy almost right out of the gate after I went through and kind of walked through those steps of the advanced tuning and really got everything uh, tightened up. Now, there was a couple maneuvers where you know they, they didn't transfer over so well and I wasn't able to do them. And mostly I think that's because you know I haven't got the spot on collective management yet. And maybe it's a maneuver where that I'm still working on. Like I'll admit right now, there's no freaking way you're gonna see me doing a pure TikTok on a blade 180. I was CFX. gonna say, I was just <laughs> gonna say that, dude, like pure TikToks. Someone can. I'm yeah, someone can, not this guy. <laughs> but you know, that's one of those maneuvers where I'm still working on it on the seven hundred class heli. So it doesn't it doesn't even make sense to me that I think it would scale down to a micro helicopter. And part of it is, you know, you start getting off with the collective management. You start bogging. I'm not going to say that this heli is lacking in power by any means. But in maneuvers like that, when you start getting dumb with the sticks, you're going to find the power limits of just about any helicopter. Honestly, most of the stuff transferred over. But those maneuvers that I found I was still working on and that are very demanding collective cyclic and pitch all at the same time um, were a touch more difficult. The other thing, what, go ahead. What do you think about crashing it? Well, I haven't, I, get, I haven't had a real solid crash yet. I've only had a couple uh, hard landings, some tip overs. Um, I haven't had like the full on dumb thumb under power, pulling it in. Um, okay. I guess I cannot comment yet. Oh, I, I have no doubt that at some point in time I will have comments <laughs> on the crash because <laughs> this thing's going to go in. But at this point in time, um, I haven't really had that good crash. I can say that on a couple tip overs. One time I hit the tail blades pretty dang good. And I was my first thought is, oh, crap, torque tube gears. And oh, boy, is this going to be fun to work on because those things are pretty tiny. Oh, yeah. um, but no, uh no damage. I, you know, smacked the tail into the ground and walked out there to find everything. Everything was fine. So the kind of the overall performance kind of to group it all into one for the flight time for this helicopter, I was getting, you know, this in the manual, it says to set your timer for three minutes and 30 seconds. And I can say that's about spot on. I definitely did not change my timer um, from that. Sometimes it was you know, five, 10 seconds more. And that was putting right at the 80% mark um, back into the LiPo. For the head performance after the tuning, you know, very crisp, very responsive. Um, you're definitely not chasing the heli around the field. And there's enough cyclic throw that those more aggressive maneuvers become very feasible. And I would say a little bit easier than on previous um other other micro helicopters given the servo design so definitely aggressive enough to, to get that flip and roll rate nice and fast where you can do those more advanced maneuvers now one thing i do you know not i wouldn't really say this is a con 
but it is one thing I noticed performance wise is the collective response isn't quite what I would have expected considering how high the head speed is. Um, I would have thought it would have been very snappy um, on the collective, but it seems like there's a little bit of a, of a leg in the collective, you know, and I'm not sure if this is due to the fact, you know, all of the other helicopters that we're flying have nice, rigid carbon fiber blades, very stiff. You know, these, mm-hmm. these are a molded plastic blade. Um, so there's definitely going to be some give. That's just in the material. Play a role in it, man. Yeah, it, ex- I would think so. Yeah, it's like I know we work, you know, I want to say the head speed is about 5000 RPMs at 100%. And so I know you're cranking the head speed way up, but yeah, I have to think that that material selection is definitely playing a role in the collective response. But the good thing is, is hopefully maybe in the future, we'll see some other blade designs come out, maybe some upgrades for the helicopter that could potentially just completely fix that. And Oh yeah. It's probably a trade off. I didn't mean, didn't Bodos you know, just announce? Yes, he did. The one. No, he didn't announce. Oh, no, I think they're they're out. They're out. They? Yeah. And yeah, they're I, full they are carbon out. fiber. Yeah. And it's a trade off. You know, what do you want? Do you want the ultimate performance out of it? Or do you want to be able to drag them on the ground when you're learning or whatever and be able to toss it back? Yeah. Up and, in the and air? crash costs, too. I mean, these blades are going to be cheaper than the carbon fiber option. So. Yeah, one thing that I noticed about this one, besides for just the factory one, man, anything that you want to do to this heli is available. I mean, oh, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a tweaker's heli. Oh man, yeah. As far yeah, and that that's actually a couple of the notes I have written down here. <laughs> as far as the upgrades go for this thing, and I. I I don't mean upgrades. There are some upgrades as in performance, but there's some upgrades as far as just blinging it out too and making it your own, you know, tons of different anodized parts and, and you can just completely deck this thing out with, I seriously think it's got to be the most accessorizable, (laughs) upgradable helicopter in the history. I mean, seriously, every brand has everything for it. I mean, you can almost make a complete Lynx version if you want. That's what I was just going to say. You go on there and you're... <laughs> so that's kind of the cool part is I, I feel like even if there is like, you know, a something small that when you get yours that you're not content with or that you don't like, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't seem to be that you're going to be stuck with a, you know unsurpassable yeah a heli that doesn't fly i guess up to your standards or isn't what you want because you're gonna find something that somebody's made to drop in there and take care of that well in every helicopter every helicopter has their quirks oh yeah so it's it's can i get one with the least amount of quirks possible and then if you know whatever ones there are can i get around them yep dude nick you can get a goblin canopy for it. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, come on, buddy. That's right up your alley. Oh, wow. Well, I think that Blade has <laughs> just, I think they took the micro market with this and re- stepped it up to just a whole different level. Yeah. I mean, no, it it is nothing like. You can't even put it in the same class as the previous yeah. ones. No, definitely. And kind of getting back to the 
performance this it brings me to the tail which i think like you just mentioned i feel like that's where a lot of the previous micro helis have really lacked is you know they finally integrated the collective pitch which you know now we're talking inverted and potentially fully 3d capable but i feel like a lot of the tails on the previous helis just weren't up to the task where with this one being torque tube driven brushless motor driving the head the tail performance was is great on this helicopter not once did i feel like i had to scale back because oh i was blowing up the tail or there's a huge tail kick um or anything like that so i feel like they've done a great job finally addressing that issue and i think that's one of the things that really helped this this helicopter take a step forward in the right direction sweet kind of yeah in in conclusion i think this helicopter definitely has a place in my fleet because no no other heli do i have where you can just come home from work throw the battery on the charger go fly it in you know little backyard out i was flying out in front of my house in a cul-de-sac just getting in you know way more flights than i normally would on the given week so for one just kind of that training platform kicking back having a good time getting in more flights mm-hmm. um it's absolutely great for that situation and then i actually had a couple listeners ask how they thought you know what what i thought about using this as a progression tool and i think absolutely this helicopter can definitely help make the jump because you know you'll work on something for so long on the sim tour let's say you do have it down 100% but there's still definitely that jumping up to the bigger heli you still have the cost thinking about oh man if i crash this thing it's going to be going to be expensive uh, let's start out there you also have a safety thing trying to brand new maneuver larger helicopter and it, it's just a lot more nerve-wracking so i definitely think this can help bridge that gap just that one more intermediate step you're definitely still flying a real heli uh, so there is something at stake but maybe not quite as intimidating as the larger helicopter as far as a progression tool goes, I think this could be kind of that perfect fit for someone, you know, kind of almost no matter what stage you're at, because jumping in as a beginner, you're going to have all the same benefits. It's cheaper to crash and not as intimidating. So, well, and what's so cool, like Nick was saying, is the upgradability, dude, makes it so that this can really grow with you. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, Yep. When you're a beginner, you probably don't care about the the you know the plastic parts because you're going to be breaking them a lot. When you're better and you're ready to move up, you can make it look cooler. You get maybe a little bit more precision out of the the CNC uh, machined parts, that sort yep. of a thing. And and this one now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is also the heli that the uh, micro brain or the micro icon is a drop in replacement for, yep. right i that do believe correct. so i did so see there's that. another so. way to bring it to the next level yeah yep. completely agree yeah this this helicopter sells for 229 bucks bind and fly so you do have to have that spectrum transmitter but man what can you buy for 229 bucks any anymore so at that i think it's a pretty uh, killer deal so a huge thanks to uh, Blade Helicopters and Horizon Hobby. Man, I had a ton of fun uh, with this review. Definitely going to be kicking. I, I can foresee some like late night fun fly yeah. shenanigans Uh-oh. coming out of this one. <laughs> no, it, it's it's been it's been a fun heli to fly, and definitely, you know, kind of introduced me to the new generation of micros. So definitely lots changed. Cool, sweet cool. dude. Thanks for the review. 
I've finally gotten around to bringing my charging setup into the world of current technology, and wow, what can I say? From the powerful and feature-rich Dual Power Lab 8 charger to Progressive's unique and infinitely adaptable modular parallel balance board systems, I now feel like I can charge my entire fleet of packs from just two ports and a few charge leads. So why mess around with that old and busted charger or its accessories? Follow my lead, head over to ProgressiveRC.com and have a look at the multitude of chargers, power supplies, accessories, turnkey charging systems, and even batteries. If you're not sure what to buy or have a question about how to design your custom system, then go ahead and give the PRC team a call at 443-BATTERY and they'll get you squared away in no time. Thank you, Justin. Call the PRC team at 443-228-8379. ProgressiveRC.com Bringing charging power to a heli near you. Hey Justin. Yeah. Let's debunk some myths. Are we Let's play myth Mythbusters. Our own version of Mythbusters. Can I can I introduce <laughs> you to a myth? Yes. Three bladed helicopters are more efficient. Who the hell said that? No. Yeah. I'm gonna go with people who don't know. I think it's a, re- <laughs> a reasonable <laughs> finger to point yeah yeah well but okay let's let's be fair and say that it i could see where people would say hey i'm adding an extra blade and i'm turning it at lower rpm therefore it's got to be more air quotes efficient and additional air quotes better let's separate efficient and better so can well, first you off define efficient exactly what type well, of efficiency that's the big thing people <laughs> well we yeah don't really i mean know. you got to be careful here because people throw these engineering words yeah around <laughs> quite yeah. freely um and and hey i mean i i think people generally have a have a qualitative feel for what efficiency is, but uh, you know what we're really talking about here is what am I getting? What 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 am I getting useful out of the power that I'm putting mm-hmm. into it? Right? Yeah. So you know the 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 whole idea of a helicopter is pretty damn inefficient for a lot of <laughs> reasons, and that's that's kind of like an entire show or three uh, in itself. But if you think about it here. Uh, there's a lot that goes into these devices and the, the in, and in the head in particular, right? So you got to think about the fact that you are spinning a, a mass, right? The mm-hmm. heavier the head is as a rotational object, the more energy needs to be put into it to maintain it at a given speed uh, or, or uh, RPM. And then you've also got this little thing called aerodynamics. And so you have different, different portions of the head or the blade uh, have different issues when it comes to aerodynamics. We've got um, different drags, if you will. 
There's lift-induced drag, which we're not going to get into. That is what it is. There is uh, uh, viscous or skin friction drag, which is roughly a function of the area over which the air is flowing. And we've got profile drag, which has to do in in simple terms uh, with the shape of the body that is flowing through the air. You have to kind of think of it like like your family reunion. Oh no! I know. Everyone there. Okay, <laughs> here we go. All right. <laughs> Everyone there has got their own sort of little fucked up problems that they bring to the table. Yeah, that's that is absolutely correct. <laughs> and so, and it's different as you go down the family. Yeah. And and not surprisingly. The more family you bring, the more problems you got. <laughs> That's <laughs> oh. exactly right. <laughs> well played, my so, friend. So when you look at it in terms of, uh, you know, we've got these uh, these buckets uh, that I just talked about. We've got the the inertia of the head, the mass. We've got the uh, the profile drag. We've got the skin friction drag. Uh, these are buckets of um, dissipation. That has to occur. Okay. Inefficiencies. All of those add up to how much power I have to put in to get something out. And generally speaking, the hover is a good, uh, a good way to look at things, right? So how much power do I have to put into, uh, 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 you know, okay. A goblin 700 competition in a hover on two blades. It weighs 12 pounds. Okay, there's going to be a power level required to maintain that hover. Then you can see that the power level is going to go up and down depending on how heavy the heli is, how heavy the head is, and how draggy the blades are. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's all just for two blades. You stick a third blade on there. And let's let's not even bother with the the inertia side of things, okay? Because different designs are going towards having a rotational mass that is similar to the two blade. Uh, yep. But just adding an extra blade, which has all of those extra drag components, adds power, uh, power dissipation to get the mm-hmm. same thing out of the heli, the hover, like we're talking about here. So what you're going to find with the three blades are that uh, for for a hover, again, as the base example, uh, the three blade is going to take up or is going to have higher drag, which means the level of power that you are going to dissipate in that hover is likely to be higher. Uh I think also what we're going to find, and it's it'll be nice to get some telemetry uh, on this once more people are flying, is that the three-blade head is going to provide higher spikes in current mm-hmm. because we are trying to keep that, that mass uh, and all its dragginess moving uh, at the, the set RPM that the governor is going for. And in order to do that, it requires more. Uh, it, it requires more authority from the power system to keep the head moving at the same speed. And I think that uh, okay. So if we were to just base it 
on that, and again, we're going to use that term efficiency very loosely, then just in conclusion of that, it would be like, well, why? I mean, why would we want three blades? That's dumb. Two would be better. But then enters something that we can't mathematically quantify, and that is feel. Yeah. What's it feel <laughs> No like one is when flying you... in this hobby because they want to be efficient. Okay? Not many. Not many. <laughs> and, you know, now what might be more inefficient power-wise could potentially be a lot better in the field department. I mean, let's go back, even go back to fly bar versus fly barless. We had to, we were forced to, when we went to fly barless, you had to have faster, stronger servos, right? That was a given. You couldn't get away with those, with those old, you know, 0.15 second servos because you just, it, you were putting a lot more stress on the servo. So wait a minute. Oh no, is that not as efficient? Well, okay. Yeah, maybe it isn't when it comes to, you know, receiver current, but what did we get out of it? We got feel. We got the way the model flew, the way it felt in the air. And that's what, in my opinion, now that I've flown this, and again, I'm getting more flights on it. That's, that's what makes it, that's what offsets that scale. What says, okay, wow, well, you know, it might be, might be more inefficient, but damn, I love the way <laughs> this thing feels because that is what we have been grasping towards ever since, I mean, ever since these things have, have taken off the ground period way back in the, in the Schluter days or whatever, it's stability. That's what we want, right? Yep. We want this thing as stable as possible and only doing exactly what our fingers tell it to. And right about the time that we think our models are doing exactly what our fingers are, something else comes along that you try and then you go, oh, what? And I believe that this is something you just don't know, can't explain or can't knock until you try it. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and again, I mean, it's if it's about the feel, which I think a majority of this hobby is, then efficiency takes a back seat. And so it's okay yeah. that it's not as efficient. Who cares? I mean, you just said you went from a two-blade setup at 2050 to a three-blade setup at 1850, did you say? And yep. what are you getting now flight time-wise? Like three and a half or four minutes? I'm getting, actually, I'm getting exactly the same. I have my timer set at four minutes on both. Okay. With, I would say, as of right now, this minute, a tad, I'll say the collective's a tad snappier on the two mm -hmm. blade at 2050, uh, but the cyclic is, you know, leaps and bounds above on on the three blade at 1850. So it might require, but you know, we're also really in the infancy of three blade rotor blades. Yeah, the blades I mean, will this play a, a, a different mm -hmm. role as well. And 
this is a whole new realm. I mean, these guys almost kind of have to start all over with, well, I thought I knew what would make a quote-unquote great blade, but maybe that works better for two or not for three or waiting and, and mm-hmm. CG. And it's and yeah. the nice part about it is that you can tune everything, right? And part of that is the oh, head yeah. speed. So you do yeah. gain back some of the loss of efficiency when you drop in head speed. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. The, for sure. the power that uh, that goes into this stuff goes like the cube of the velocity of these blades. And so going up in head speed makes a big, big difference. And so does going oh, down. Oh, yeah. Um, so you can't offset it that way. At the end of the day, though, the, the point is the efficiency doesn't really make a huge difference uh, overall as long as you feel like you're getting what you want out of the upgrade and i think Mm -hmm. that's why the industry is going to move more towards this for 3d at least right now speed's a different story right uh it's a completely different story because it's a whole different set of uh different regime not set it's all the same physics but we're in a different operating region and well different needs and the power systems need, yeah. are the the um the power systems are the bottleneck on speed that is not the case for 3d on three blade heads you're trying to yep. in speed you're it's all about minimizing loss yep yeah minimize the least amount of loss and and uh i don't my gut says I don't see three blade being the ticket for that. Right now, that is the conclusion that most of the speedy people are coming to. Speedy yeah. people? Yeah. Is that a, <laughs> That's a technical are they, term. Are they a culture? Yes. Wow. But yeah, I, I think people. it's really cool, dude. I mean, I I would like to get my hands on a three blade set. Probably going to be on the 771st. Uh, your experience makes me feel a lot more comfortable with dropping that load of cash because it is a big load <laughs> of cash. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. I think it'll be great to see more brands follow in the footsteps of like JR and Blade to bring out three blade sets for the smaller models because that's what yeah. makes it accessible to uh, to to people. And who knows this could be like the next fly barless revolution you know it could be you know i it really could especially when we get to the smaller models that's where the curiosity's got me because i mean if it's it takes a lot to make a night and day difference on a 700 class i mean let's be honest you yeah you can tell the the difference in the way airframes fly and maybe servos fly but it's it's never like you know smack you upside the head blatant this is really blatant so if it's if it's a big deal on a 700 what's it going to be like like for your 380 you know or or for a 500 yeah cool well thank you for uh myth busting that got a little tired of hearing that one and and <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not <laughs> If you really want to get into the deep theory of it, the most efficient one out there is a one blade. See if you can make that work. (laughs) Roll that one over in your head for a while. Good luck. All right, boys. Well, let's uh, 
I think we should call it. I agree. Yeah. Othello is Justin, coming up soon, guys. Yes. Around the corner. May 15th through the 17th, we are going to be at the Othello Fun Fly. I cannot wait. And yet I can wait because I'm not sure I'm going to be ready. But that marks the official. Well, you know how it is. It's like, oh, my God, dude. When Othello rolls around, the season has begun. And you've had all winter and you will be the one that will show up and won't be ready. Nah, I'll be ready. Damn. Good. <laughs> but yeah, true. Sweet. And then let's let's talk for just a minute about ours. Let's. Can you tickle my fancy there? I'm going to quiz Jesse and see if he can tell me when ours is. Our fun fly is going to be September 17th through the 20th. You are correct. Did I get, did I get it? You got yes. it. And where is our fun fly going to be, Jesse? Near Portland, Oregon. Yeah, just south. A little bit south. A little yep. bit south. A little bit south. We should have a flyer out here very shortly now that we have solidified the contract and we are all systems go. So we'll get that out. We'll get it posted up on our events calendar as well. So you guys can start planning on it. We will be there in full force, cranking the music with the night lights. Tons of fun. Bring your bottle knocking skills, guys. Oh, yeah. That's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> are we going to do a little speed contest, Justin, again? A little fun one for yeah, fun? Yeah, I think we are. That was actually a pretty big hit last year. Uh, and I it thought was it was kind of a hoot. Kind of pulled it out of nowhere just because there were a lot of people that were interested. So, yeah, we'll see what we can come up with this time around, too. We'll do a... The little ones were a blast. Speed, yeah, like and you know what? With all the like little 360s and 380s now, I bet you it'll even be more fun. I think that's what we should focus on. That'd be a blast. <laughs> cool. Well, guys, it's been a good one. Indeed. Been fun. I would like, since I'm just tired of you people, you people, <laughs> <laughs> you people <laughs> mocking me. I'm going to put it up on the table. Who would like to take us out of this episode? Ooh. All right, Jesse. Is it you or me? Oh, I'll do it. But I, I figured, don't people want to know how to get a hold of us? Well, that's part like, of the job, may, dude. Maybe. That's taking us out. Oh, oh that that it, that's the whole, like, it's a package It deal. is. Like, yeah, you, you oh. sign up for the contact info if oh, you yeah. do this. Definitely. I'll take us out of the show then. Uh, let's see. Justin, if people wanted to get a hold of you, how could they do that? They could send me an email at justin at rchelynation.com or catch me on Facebook. And Nick? Uh, you would send me an email to nick at rchelynation.com or catch me on Facebook as well. And I am Jesse. You could send me an email at jesse at rchelynation.com. And if you want to send Dan an email, you could send an email to dan at rchelynation.com. And then if you got any questions about the store or anything to add to the events calendar, go ahead and shoot Ken an email at ken at rchelynation.com. Well, guys, this has been episode 180. 
We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this show as much as we enjoyed making it. We will talk to you next Monday. See you late. Take it easy, guys. So be late. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, PK Servos, and Spartan Flybarless Systems. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to send us an email. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought we were, were doing the news. the news, dude. <laughs> no, I have to split in between, you goofball. Just roll with me. Oh, yeah, okay? but I was just talking about the news, not about I'm... going into my section. Uh, well, you fucked it all up then. Uh, <laughs> I was with you, Justin. I thought we were. <laughs> no, saying. we have to go. <laughs> I'm glad you think this is fucking funny. I don't, but uh, go. Okay. Are you familiar with how we do the show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> have we st- wait, have we started? Hey, guess no, what? You know what's more important? You just made the outro again. <laughs> 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 Two weeks in a row. <laughs>